0: Hey there, this is Dr. T. Tavo D'Arcy. We're going to get in with the Lord, and we're just going to start to share. You know, I've never been around so much stuff in my life as I've seen since I moved to the deep southwest. I was not raised in Texas. I was not raised in the country, even though my parents were pastors, and they had a Baptist church field, as they call it when I was growing up, that was out in the Piney Woods, and therefore can I relate to people who have really small churches way out in the rural area where I came from before Dallas was a couple of places. One was a very tiny rural area where I was raised about 13. Then my parents heard from the Lord and they prayed and they said, we feel like God is moving us. And we went to Norfolk, Virginia, a cosmopolitan area, which I felt so much peace because I really am a big thinker. So we lived in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach until I was like, went to college. Then I went back to the Central Virginia area and then got married and had uh, a good time in college. Didn't really, (laughs) I didn't really, uh, I didn't go out and sin a lot or get drunken or anything like that, but I just had a great time and I didn't really work because I thought it was, to be honest, I thought it was boring. (laughs) And so I came out barely with a 2.8. grade grade point average. I think, you know, back then it was a liberal arts and they were a really good college, really great. But I was so brought up, micromanaged by my mom, well-meaning that when I got to college, I could be myself. And I had worked so hard as a scholar being in the National Honor Club and all that growing up in high school, always getting not straight A's, but really close to it. And I I just felt like, man, I need a reprieve. So I went there and I purposely enjoyed myself. I thought the many of the courses really sort of stayed and boring. I'm not really a Jane Austen type of person. But I had a great time, yet I barely made it out. But I did graduate with a B.A. in religion. I was going to be a music major But I didn't feel I could handle all the competition. And back then, there was a lot of cattiness and fighting and infighting amongst the rivalry, which is so not me. So I just got out, and then I became a religion major. And because I was saved, I was born again, I was a Jesus person at the time. Right before I went to college, I really had a thing, a fear of losing my faith. So I purposely... To be honest, didn't want to internalize all the things that they taught because it was really off. It wasn't real Bible, and I ended up, like I said, with a 2.8 average, which is pretty bad. But you know what? I didn't need. I think it's irony that I studied comparative religion, as they called it, a religion major, but it wasn't a lot of the Lord. You know, back then it wasn't a lot of the true Bible, but yet. Because my parents were college, seminary, educated, masters, and all that, my dad almost had his Ph.D., but he didn't do his thesis. I think he got married to my mom. But anyway, I came up with a healthy ability, by God's grace and prayer, by God's mercy, to really not fall for it. And I had asked God really to specifically keep me from error which I have all my life, and I'm still trying for that, and still pray for me that I keep out of error, out of mischief. Because we really are in days you have to discern God. It isn't easy, especially with all the media. I happen to grow up, you know, like many of you have, that before all the confusion and mass media blaring and all the weird stuff going on, and so it's easier for me to look back and say, yeah, I know what normal, a natural Christian is. My parents, not famous, not hoop-jumping, not biased, not racist, not gender biased, not under the law. But it was a time like a pre-Billy Graham, during Billy Graham. And so then when I had made Jesus Lord of my life right before college and I went and took time off to have fun, (laughs) not in a bad way, met my husband. And then afterwards I got teaching. I was teaching as a, um, you know, employment as a teacher before children, but I was still seeking the Lord and wise enough by God's mercy to really pray and seek the Lord. In college, one of the things I got curious about, because I was a long-haired hippie, you know, Jesus person, jeans, long hair to the waist, back practically, backpack, didn't want to, you know, be traditional, hated polyester, which I still don't like, But anyway, so I went and I prayed one day out by the lake. I love to be with the Lord alone, which I still like. And hear from God and beauty of nature when it's still. And I asked the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, everybody's talking in Christian circles about your perfect will for their life. And all I know is I don't want to miss your perfect will for me. And so I'm going to ask you to please guide me every day, 24-7. 365 and i'm just going to trust you get me on the right path and that i'll make it to the right your perfect will which i still did so i had no agenda no vision of what i would think now or say now or do now or be now or not you know not anything but just hanging out with god which is what i do (laughs) so i made that request out of curiosity out of trusting god And I did that. And for scriptures, you can get Enoch walked and talked with God daily, and he was not. In Genesis 5, Adam's grandson, you can get Ezekiel's wheel, the Holy Spirit gyroscope guiding people. You can talk about the Bible verse, Google it, which my grandmother, my mother, her mother all did, uh, being led by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. So those are in scriptures that you can do it. It's not spooky, and it's not super spiritual. So, I'm sharing this to build up what I'm going to really say. And this, why am I so wild right now? Why do I talk like this? Because I was never around anything that goes on in the religious circles as we have right now, all the new customs in the last 25, 30 years. No fear of the Lord. So, let me keep on my story. I'll go into part two if I run out of time on this. But so that was there, and the Lord's. I got married and then one day in when I was 24 married no children I was in a Presbyterian a Presbyterian church that had a great reputation and it was half charismatic half not I was you know not raised around tongue talkers or spirit fill but those new moves started to come in about that time in the mid late 70s and 80s and I was there before before famous TV Christians during and the effect on lives and lifestyles and ministry during and now up to this point. So I have a long long view like a Luke, by God's mercy. I witness, and I was not famous. I don't feel I want to be famous. I want Jesus' name to be famous. If I have renown, that's another thing, but that's for his sake. So we were all growing up. Everyone who started a movement before I was there, their movement, they were growing up. Billy Graham one day grew up, but it was right when Billy Graham was there that I went, I was like about 12 and I heard Billy Graham's sober message about eternity and it got to me just as I am and I thought, man, I don't want to miss out. It was a holy moment of the fear of the Lord as my grandmother watched Billy Graham on the other side of the closed door, there I was, and I was too proud at that age to admit that I was that needy to know the Lord, but I invited Jesus to be my Lord then after accepting him at nine. So it was God's grace and a Jesus person, maybe late 16 to 17, on out here. So when I was all these movements had not started, and they were starting to start when I went to college back in the early 70s, and that was also when the Vietnamese War, the race marches on Washington, race rights before that, and then also the drug situation. It was before hard rock music. It was Beatles on, but I was there when these things happened. I used to like hard rock music a lot for the energy it gave me, and the Lord lately, you know, I like, still like hard rock music, but I don't like I want Christian versions, the anointing, the anointing on it, not the carnal side, demonic side. Excuse me. chewing gum, not not the virus. <laughs> you have to explain these days. I'm chewing gum and some of it broke off and it got me. Sorry. So God is good. So we go back to 24 years old. I was sitting in this church one day, and all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He says, I want you to go study my body, all the different kinds that believe the Bible, that are really born again. And I want you to study their doctrine, their pet peeves, their good qualities, their music, their leadership, of all the different kinds and colors, and then one day I'm going to have you build bridges to my people. And I felt like that was the real journey. How can you build a bridge if people are going to fight, be contentious, controlling, because of their doctrine, because of their southern doctrine, their northern doctrine? How can you have bridges unless you have to dissect, maybe reprove, correct, or else just... Offer insights that may help build up, you know, water down the resistance or lack of, or the legalism that's there. And I didn't know I'd say this back then. I didn't have a clue, but I just knew I loved God and wanted to do what He wanted me to do, and it was being led by the Spirit. One day in, one day out, one day in if I didn't feel like it, one day out if I did. I oh, it, by God's grace, I did, and I had good parenting. You did the same thing, practically, so I was raised around it. Nothing strange about being led by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. There was just no teaching on it because we were Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, mostly Baptists, and my grandmother's side, of my mother's side, was Presbyterian, but they weren't hard rocks or whatever they want to call Presbyterians, Calvinists, nothing like that. It was just loving the Lord. And when we I came up, the movements started hymns disappeared in these movements which to me I was grateful I'm not a hymn person but I enjoyed the rock music the you know the beat and everything and I'm still a guitar fan but the servant humility is what I remember if I if I can combine everybody wants to know who your spiritual father is and the movements I might talk about that my parents are my spiritual fathers god used them Followed with Billy Graham, the Jesus Movement, which I guess would be servant leadership vineyard, John Wimber types, which is low-key down the earth, very responsible, not hyping, which I'm still like that. Then when I was, after I got married and after I got the call and was pregnant with my first child and she was born, I started to have all sorts of warfare. My father died. My grandmother died. Who's was my prayer warrior, Boo, my mother's mother. I had postpartum depression. No money As a, you know, we stayed, I stayed home with the child. We had one car. So I was locked in, got cabin fever, but many things went on on TV, like the Challenger, Jim Jones, all those things. That was that long ago. But God was working on me through the pressure, through the difficulty. And because I met the Lord and knew him, I went to the Lord instead of Pondering to kill myself, I didn't. I went to the Lord instead of complaining and you know taking drugs or anything by God's mercy. So, the secret is if you have stress, trouble, hell on earth, people don't like you, they don't love you, you don't take it out on yourself or them, you go to the Lord. That's the thing, the spiritual strong person goes to the Lord you run to the Lord let him love you and then find people who believe the same way and hang around with them after the beginning of all the new movements word of faith was one I you know the Lord led me about praise and worship Uh, all these different movements were starting later I went to revivals and outpourings and they would come to me you know in other words I'd find window them and go and learn more about how the word works the anointing works the holy spirit works and that has been a gift in the 90s starting in 91 i got into lord led me to the prophetic study the prophetic people groups which are many of them and then he would lead me to black and white racial healing reconciliation and i found out usually the african-american community has traditionally been more on fire in general for the lord and for the passion of god than the other community, the white community, basically. Not all. But I'm saying that I think, if I would say anything from looking back in hindsight, I think maybe the slavery, the hell on earth they went through, they went through prejudice still, a lot of that in the core community of Christians really made them stronger and more perceptive to hear God and the Holy Spirit more willing to rely on Him to at least survive and get through it and I think they're here for the strong people groups that are now in our nation that don't really know the Lord. I think, you know, white people are too. It's equal opportunity. Asians and Hispanics, a lot of them are fiery too. But I think if you can redeem slavery to the black person and the children and the other Christians to think, man, these guys have a power and might that a lot of people don't have, men and women. And They're not afraid. They're bold. So if we have people that are not Caucasian, hey, listen, you don't know their story, but you got to say a lot of these people are equipped to deal with the really tougher faiths that are now on our nation. They're really, you know, you need people that are upfront, bold and candid and also loving and are filled with the power of God's Holy Spirit, might and power, which is Isaiah 11.2, part of the seven spirits of God, as well as the book of Acts 2. Just a little aside. So when I grew up, I grew up with a father, a daddy, blessed daddy, six foot four, down to earth. Grew up in, he was born in Dallas, Georgia, of all places. Later I found that it was like a postage stamp back then. And now I honor him and revere need to honor him because he's been in the back of my mind when I think of being a pastor, a minister, or anything as a Christian leader, as a male version as a male role model for a healthy dad, safe dad. I honor him in Dallas Fort Worth Dallas, the mega area, mega country, and he would never have dreamed it, I wouldn't have either. He died suddenly in Norfolk, Virginia, and then he got famous because it happened on a school trip. <laughs> he was teaching and it was on the news, but other than that, he was very unsung and down to earth, but all these people respected him came out of the woodwork people whose lives he touched so I want to honor him and I honor him from the national pulpit here online so you don't know what your parenting will produce later because I look back and remember the hugs and loves of an un, of a very complimentary non-critical non-accuser family and I honor that mother and father thank God for you and parents grandparents so it matters what you're putting into people's hard drives from their birth onward and afterwards when they grow up. There's such a thing as studying the accuser versus the Messiah. I've taught on that, and I'll teach again. Assess people. Don't accuse them. We're losing a lot of people. You lost me, some of you, know, some of you ministers. You lost me long years ago with Phariseeism, accuser, witch-watching, all that stuff. I had to go be a noble Berean to see. Is that true? I've never heard of that as a Baptist. (laughs) I never heard of that in Norfolk, Virginia. I didn't hear of that until I came out to the prophetic movement. And there is a difference between quality, high-functioning, well-safe prophetic, which I really go for and endorse, and I need. And then I would call it the more spooky pathetic. So you want to be prophetic hear God, give the word of the Lord, be the oracle, male or female, black or white, bond or free, but then you don't want to be the accuser, Pharisee, or the legalist. You don't want to be the, because I didn't grow up around it, that's what makes it so obvious I can pick it up so fast. If I'm disrespected, I get gender bias, I get people are nosy, I get all this type of stuff, which is like racism to me, even it's usually only from my own color, same color. I can discern it as a prophet because I was not raised around it and it is so foreign, it's obvious. And so let that be example for many people, they feel the same way. So we want to be kind, loving, and really respectful at this point because a lot of people in a lot of national, international people groups are right here ready for our global ministry. So as I grew up, it was pre-TV Christian And then it began to be famous Christian TV. And then, of course, when my ministry really started, my full-time ministry, The Encouraging Word back in Virginia, and it was a newsletter, a prayer ministry, for pastors praying for their families' protection and themselves and the revival and all that, and a newsletter, and then later TV and radio. Uh, It was prior to what we see now, a media circus, the lack of love, I hate to say it, the phoniness, the, the, the emphasis on income all the time, on looks, stage presence, charisma. And it was pre gloss speaking of charisma, pre-glossy magazine. I was called to ministry. God called me to ministry, full-time ministry in 86 and 87 and gave me the vision of the newsletter I was to do and all the specifics and I'd already been in ministry around town without being official before then. In fact, during the time when my father died in 79, I had that postpartum depression. My wonderful firstborn child was born. My grandmother died. The Lord used media. He used Christian radio. It was a very low watt in Virginia, in this you know central Virginia area. Very low watt Christian. But I was so low, so depressed. And... I turned on this little low-wadded station. I think it was like 9.15 on a Tuesday morning, and I heard this cheery voice, and it was Brother Kenneth Copeland, and he said, choose to be of good cheer and study the Word, and you know what? That was my Rama. That was the Word to me, and I have every day since, practically every day since. I started to research be of good cheer and it is a choice and I've done that with God's help and prayer and that you know going through the anointing also renewing your mind getting words of the lord there're many ways god can touch you and make it faster but my group my particular sometimes it's been a quick one but mostly it's slow mo fine tuning in the process and so i've specialized people in the process it may not be pleasant But let me encourage you. Let me give you the word of the Lord or help you fine-tune to get the big, wonderful thing that you're going to turn into during that process out of you. That's what I want to do. That's what we really want to do. I didn't know that I'd be this big anti-Phariseeism. I'm not against the Pharisee people, the human people, but I'm against false teaching and that's what this is. If they're harassing you, if they're trying to possess you, if they are rumor mongers, if they are not confronting you, but avoiding you, but then lying about you, or telling false tales, bearing false witness, that is false doctrine. That is not true prophetic. That is not like Jesus. Therefore, I do teach now, due do this, abiding relationship theology, abiding in James three seventeen, even under pressure with God's help. What is James 317? It means that any wisdom you have to represent in your family, your marriage, business, your ministry, with God's help, the wisdom that comes from above, which is, it says, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and to the best of my ability in every situation, unless I fell off the, you know, under duress, which was very, very rare, never in public, never in a church at all or in ministry, then I would just say, God, forgive me, person, if I did them, I shouldn't forgive me, and get back on the horse and ride again. But I would say this because of what went on, some of the things, the accuser of the mother and the sister and the other leader and the peers that goes on that I have in my hard drive that I can memory bank that I can tell you about so that you never do that to anybody. You never be that hard line and authority that you jump somebody and accuse them of public that you've never spoken to or confronted in private. That's why I'm so particular about who I sit under or hang out with in ministry or Christians or leadership. And very careful what I say, very careful the doctrine that is out there, because if I get jumped sitting there in James three seventeen, quietly peaceable pure easily entreated they could have talked to me they could have ta- asked me what's going on but I have this anointing I have an anointing it turned out a global anointing not a white anointing not a red state anointing not a Levitical patriarch back into the law anointing which troubles them by me sitting there and being quiet so I may not have time on this podcast It may take a few podcasts to mention, you know, to spell some, tell what happened because it was really interesting. And some of these are my PhD, (laughs) pretty hard knocks, (laughs) pretty hard days, all right, piled high and deep when I was only around Phariseeism, not around African-Americans, Asians, Hispanics, but only my color because I guess Holy Spirit needed me to go there. On behalf of the innocent, quiet males and females who are not backer under the law, who are there to hear from God, who are there to be seated quietly, but then they have something distinctive that troubles those spooky spiritual, the witch watcher in the group, or the leadership who's really out of authority, but demands everyone to be under their authority because of the law and false teaching. And this is why we're this passionate. This is why we're this gung-ho. This is why we're saying things that a few years back even, I would never be this loud and so wild about getting the truth out so that nobody ever makes Jesus' name blasphemed again. Nobody ever hurts an innocent person just for trying to submit to Hebrews 10.25. That means don't forsake for fellowship with the saints. So up on top of onlinefellowship.us, onlinefellowship.us and dfwleader.org, you may find the Ephesians 4 Common Doctrine. We are our official brand, I guess you'd call it Christian brand is crossbody True Unity, Multicultural, diverse, based on Ephesians 4 using common doctrine, not legalism, not back under the law, and working on our abiding, Relationships, and I put the ten relationships also at the top under another PDF for you to look at in the Bible that come under pressure, and when they're under pressure, the stress of relationships can cause people to get out of James three seventeen easily entreated, respectful, and get accusers, so you don't want to be representing the accuser in your law or your family. You want to represent the Messiah of Isaiah 11:2 and 3, who would not accuse and he would not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor make decisions based on what he heard. He wouldn't believe the evil report. He wouldn't tolerate gossip. And that's what we're working on is having me say this over and over and loud because it's that big. It could be that big in certain groups that charismatic, hate to say it, you're the ones. All right. Surely all be- all people gossip all colors and all groups there's a gossip you know that but this particular group has such a call has such an efficient a uh, fine tuning to really go and bring people into the holy spirit and l- know about the intimacy of relationship with the holy spirit they've got so much going for them that it is a crime a sin to waste it if you're going to confuse people or mismanage the gift by making it sin spying or cutting people down or refusing to be accountable. And that isn't all charismatics that are like this either. Not all, but there is a huge difference between the different kind of Christians and the subgroup called Levitical Patriarchism is our target market, the WELP. Western European, we are the world, usually uh, colonial types, not really diverse They can be, but they're really generally not. And they're into the fine tuning, but Western European Levitical patriarchism or matriarchism back under the law. We're not, I am white, Western European, but I'm sent to be this way. You're sent to be your color. But I am, we global, that's my term. We global, we are not supposed to be over everybody. We're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be multicultural and love people of all nations. And I do. So I'm going to stop because I got to start up on the next one, two or three, to get this out because I do want to share. God wants me to share it so I don't have to share it again about some of the stuff, the caustic, toxic, even violent abuse that can go on just for trying to show up and please God by fellowshipping at a church, maybe your church, your fellowship, or certain prophetic ministries, certain style ministries where they're legalism. God bless you. He loves you. And I love you too. You have a great day. This is Dr. T. Tavo DRC signing off for now for the Christian community, for the body of Christ. Bye-bye. God bless.